What a privilege and honor it is to worship you. We exalt the name of Jesus. We magnify you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that in me is. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, I love to hear the singing and praises of God's people. What a joy, what a privilege, what an honor. Amen. To be able to assemble ourselves together today and to worship God. Amen. Looking out over this beautiful congregation of people, I thought how privileged we are to belong to this great family of believers. Amen. God is the common denominator that's brought us all together today. Amen. And we are so happy that you are with us. Thank you for taking time out of your busy weekend to be with us at First Pentecostal Church and to just join all of our, our faith together and to join our prayers together. You know, the Bible says one can put to flight a thousand, but two can put to flight ten thousand. There's something exponentially powerful about God's people when they join together for a common cause. Amen. And we are here today joined together for that common cause to exalt the name of Jesus. There'll be a lot of people today, this weekend, that will curse the name of Jesus and will damn the name of Jesus and will blame God for things that there is of their own making. But you and I have a common cause. That is to lift the name of Jesus up high. To bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Why don't we take a moment right now and do it again? Would you lift your voice like a trumpet? And would you praise His mighty name? We exalt you, Jesus. We have come together, God, for a singular purpose. It is to magnify you and to praise you. We have no hidden agenda. We have no ulterior motive. But we are here to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that in me is. You alone, Lord, sit upon the circle of the earth. Heaven is your throne, and earth is your footstool. And there is none that is like unto thee. And there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so we declare the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare the name of Jesus into this atmosphere. We speak his name over every problem, over every crisis, over every family situation, over every unsaved loved one. We declare the name of Jesus over every sickness, over every financial crisis, Lord. We declare the name of Jesus, for there is all power in that name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles this morning, I turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your um, Bible with you, they will put the verses on the screens. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Hallelujah. And suddenly, you know the great thing about serving God is the Lord is a sudden God. Things that you've been struggling with for days and years, God can take care of 
suddenly, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. That's how he's going to come back. He doesn't need a lot of prep time. He just is a sudden God. Amen. When we were uh, down in Africa, we had come up to this area that was a market square area where there was these people, you know, that, that pose, you know, like as statues. They have their whole uh, garments all um, painted with some metallic paint. And they look like a statue and they've trained themselves to stand there. And uh, we came around the corner and they were doing some documentary on this guy and he would stand there like that. And then somebody would come around the corner and just out of their peripheral, you know, you just see, you don't always focus on it. And you just thought maybe that was a statue or something. And they'd kind of cut the corner kind of close and they'd come close to him. And he'd be standing there. All of a sudden, he'd come to life and grab. Boy, they'd scream and jump and holler. The lady was doing the documentary. She said, do you mind if we use your daughter in this documentary? And we want her to go up to him and look up to him. He's going to give her a flower. And so they did this whole thing where they filmed you know, this, this whole document, I'm not sure where this will come out at, but they had Sophia in there with this statue, you know, and people were kind of gathered around. They were watching this, you know, and she even knew she was even anticipating it, but still when he came to life, boy, she still jumped at you. <laughs> well, I tell you, people that think God is a still God, that God is a statue, that God is confined to a, a cross on a wall or around the neck on a chain. I'm coming to tell you, our God is a lie. He can move suddenly. Boy, I feel that quickening spirit here today. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. But you'd have noticed that it filled all the house. They were, they were in a house. Amen. Look at verse 46 of the same chapter. And they continuing daily with one accord. They started with one accord. They continued daily with one accord. There's power and unity. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They were going to the temple. Not that they quit going to church. They continued daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread. They still fellowshipping. Still eating and enjoying life. From house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Isn't that awesome? God gives you the Holy Ghost and gives you love for hamburgers all at the same time. That's what I get out of that verse. They'd eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Hallelujah. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Hallelujah. Now, folks, those four verses right there is the formula on how to have a wonderful overcoming life. It's right there. The part I want to look at today, because we're celebrating seven years of our home friendship um, group ministry where we meet in houses, and uh, this Wednesday night we'll be meeting in homes, I think 35 or 36 homes around the county, and we film a DVD. You're going to be hearing more about that in just a little bit. But because we're focusing on that and because I believe God has a special message for us through these four verses, I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, house to house, house to house, amen. I feel like we need to take Bavard County for Jesus' name. And you know what? We got to do it house to house. 
Isn't that how the Revolutionary War began? They took it house to house. We got to take it house to house. Amen. God's going to help us. This is a biblical model. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. It's interesting to read these verses because this was the origin of the church that you and I are still a part of today more than 2,000 years later. It started in Acts 1 and 2 and Jesus had ascended and gone back into heaven and he told his followers to go to Jerusalem and they would receive this gift, they would receive power. And uh, we have seen God pour out that spirit in such an incredible way in so many places. Um, recently, as uh, some of you know, some of you may not know, we returned from being in Africa and uh, holding uh, conferences and crusades in Madagascar and, and Malawi. And our church built a new uh, church in Nadola, Zambia. And being a part of all this missions work gives us a perspective that's very powerful. And that is that the Spirit of God is sweeping the world. I don't know how to say it other than just to say the Spirit of God is changing entire nations. I have seen people receive the Holy Ghost in Havana, Cuba. I've seen them crowd in the windows, hang in the windows of an old church that maybe hadn't had a Holy Ghost-filled service in 50, 60 years. But we preach to them that this promise is to them that are afar off. It doesn't matter how bad things have been in your past. God has not excluded you from the promise of the Holy Ghost. We saw over 3,700 people receive the Holy Ghost in Malawi and Madagascar just a few weeks ago. We saw hundreds receive the Holy Ghost in Havana, Cuba. I've seen people, entire churches baptized in Jesus' name in Vietnam. Last year, uh, Bill and June are with us. We went to China. We saw entire churches slain in the Spirit, speaking in tongues as the Holy Ghost filled them. And here they are in a country where it's not even legal to assemble for these purposes. But the Spirit of God knows no barriers or boundaries. What a powerful God we serve. It started this way. It, this Holy Ghost experience was poured out. And as Jesus had ascended and gone into heaven and he told his followers, when you go to Jerusalem, it's not going to just be confined to Jerusalem. It's going to start there. And there's going to come this power, this comforter, this anointing, this spirit. And it's going to saturate. And so they gathered together. They didn't have a beautiful church building like we have here today, but they gathered together in what we commonly call the upper room. That's how it is described in the book of Acts. And so the Holy Ghost was poured out after they had been there for some 10 days. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, 120 of them that were gathered together in this room. I've stood in that room. It's not that big, but oh, when the Holy Ghost falls. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost falls, it doesn't matter how crowded you are. It doesn't matter how cramped you are. It doesn't matter what situations you're dealing with. When the Spirit of God fills the house. Mm. I don't know if you've ever read about Azusa Street, but whenever uh, uh, William Seymour would, he was a, a black gentleman that was blind, but so hungry for God, he would, he would literally pray 
and lay on the floor. They'd, they'd draw a circle around. He'd just pray and stay there so long and tears. And there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that swept through that mission on the streets of Los Angeles at the turn of the century going into uh, the 1900s. And, and people came from all over the world. And when you read about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, thousands of people receiving the Holy Ghost and, and it just changing, it changed the entire nation of America. It changed other countries and people said, this is not just something we read about that took place 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, but this promise is for you and your children and all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Ladies and gentlemen, it has not died out. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He gets sweeter and sweeter, better and better. God's not lost any authority. He's not lost any power. If the world gets more secular, it doesn't mean God's lost any authority. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He can still deliver you from any sin and any sickness and any addiction. That's the God we serve. Oh, I feel like praising him in this house today. Why don't you clap your hands one more time and shout unto him with the voice of triumph for he's a mighty good God. Hmm. Started in the house and it continued. The book of Acts tells us from house to house. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42 it says, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach. Jesus Christ. I believe that we should not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. In the temple, which is of course now we know today it's like a church building. In the Old Testament they had a tabernacle. And then through uh, the advancement of the kingdom of Israel under God's direction and David and Solomon, they built a beautiful temple. But they continued in the temple daily. And in every house. From Acts chapter 2 to Acts 5, the ministry of the apostles in the establishment of the New Testament church joined house worship with temple worship. They gathered in both places. We as a local congregation have been gathering in church buildings for the past 49 years. Next year, the First Pentecostal Church will celebrate its 50th anniversary, the year of Jubilee, and we're going to have a great time. And it's been different buildings over the past 49 years, but God has always blessed us with a building. But now in the past seven years, we have been meeting from house to house in addition to gathering at the church. And in addition to gathering at this church, we have a campus in Sebastian. We have a campus in Satellite Beach. We have a Southwest campus. And we have a Spanish ministry as well. This is all because we believe that the gospel should not be just confined to four walls, but it should go out into the highways and the byways, and it should be in every home. I believe the Word of God ought to be in Walmart. It ought to be in the shopping centers. It ought to be in the schoolhouses. If He's in your heart, you can take Him with you wherever you go. Amen. I had a couple of people knock at the door one morning of the house that I used to live in down here on Americana Boulevard. And it was early on a Saturday morning. And they knocked on my door and they were there to witness to me, and they had a book that they handed me, and I was half awake, and I saw this book, and my eyes had to focus, and it said, is the earth running out of water? 
And I said, just a moment. And I walked into the kitchen and I turned on the water. It ran for a little bit. And I turned it off and I walked back and I said, everything looks okay here, but thanks for checking. They said, sir, do you mind if we enter your home? I said, enter at your own risk. They looked around to see if I had a, 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 a dog to be aware of or anything, but they finally came in very, you know, trepidatiously and concerned about what exactly this was going to entail. And they sat down and they started talking and, and they asked me, we want to ask you a question, young man. I was young back then. And uh, I said, absolutely, anything you want to ask, I'm here to answer. They said, do you know who Jehovah is? I said, not only do I know who he is, but I know where he lives. They looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, well, where does he live? I said, he lives in a mobile home. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, you should have seen the looks on their faces. It was like I had committed some blasphemy. They said, sir, can we ask you to explain that? I said, absolutely. The Bible said that the kingdom of God cometh not by observation, but it is within you. So the kingdom of God is not in a building per se. It is inside of me, and I'm mobile. So when I go to school, it goes with me. When I go to this house, it goes with me. When I go to my job, it goes with me. He's a mighty God, but he's a mobile God. They started checking their watches. They said, you know, we got to go. It's about lunchtime. <laughs> so we've been having fun for about seven years doing this. We meet once a month, usually the last Wednesday of each month. Sometimes that changes, but 30 homes. Now we have seven, I think six or seven new groups that are starting uh, this week on a Wednesday night. So we have about 36 or 37 small groups. My goal is that we'll have 40 by the end of the year and by this time next year, because it is our 50th anniversary, I have a goal that we will have 50 houses in South Bavard, even down in Sebastian area, going up to the beachside in Melbourne a little bit, Rockledge. We've even got people living in Merritt Island that will have 50 homes, amen, that are opening up their homes for the word of God. Would you clap your hands and help me to believe God will help us to make that dream come true. And in these different homes, we host small groups, somewhere between 10 to 15 people. And they gather in these different homes. And I film a, a, a DVD presentation. We have a series. We have an outline. We feed uh, snacks. We have a little bit of time for fellowship. We ask some discussion questions. We apply the principles of God's Word to our life. And, and there's a little video presentation that I usually uh, will film somewhere between 15 and, and uh, 20 minutes. And uh, then we pray for one another. It's a, it's a great time of just just getting community and getting connected uh, to, to a small group. And I'm excited that, that this coming Wednesday, this month, in fact, we've already filmed the DVD, we've already put out the outline and the discussion, but this coming Wednesday, many of you will join a small group, perhaps for your very first time. But I can assure you that as we meet on a monthly basis, 
You'll get connected with a small group of people, and you'll find that there is power. This is why the disciples went daily from not only in the temple but house to house because they got connected with God's people. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. I believe that this is one of the most effective ways that we can evangelize our area. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but if you've been watching your television, they are rioting on the streets of Charlotte. They are rioting in all of these different cities around America. There's all this mistrust. Let me tell you something. We need God in our homes. We need God in our communities. We need God on the streets. I don't believe God ever intended to just be confined to church buildings all over this area. I believe that God is a God, hallelujah, that can permeate every aspect of our life. And if he's in our hearts, he ought to be in our homes. And if he's in our homes, he ought to be, amen, in everything that we do with our families. He ought to be a big part of all that we do. But for whatever reason, presently, we only have about 35% of our congregation that is a part of a home friendship group so my goal today is that by the end of this service that 100 percent of everyone that is here people say now pastor you can't get 100 percent even if you were giving away 100 dollars bills well i beg to differ i think i could get 100 percent if i was giving away 100 dollars bills but i'm giving away something better than that so I'm believing, God, that 100% of people that are sitting in this building under the sound of my voice, if you are not a part of a small group, that you will take that little card that's in your bulletin and you will take it out and you will fill it out and you will drop it off at one of our registration desks. We've got two in the main foyer. We've got another one over here or you can bring it and lay it at the altar in just a moment when we bring our needs before the Lord. But I want every single individual to be connected to God's people and to take the gospel from house to house. That is what our goal is because I believe that we can make a difference. I don't think God intended for us just to have church as some sort of a little social country club. I believe this thing can change our neighbors, change our co-workers, change our brothers and our sisters. In just a moment, everybody's going to have an opportunity to be a part. But you say, Pastor, why do this? We're all so busy with our jobs. We come to church. We're doing all that we can do. Why host or lead or attend a meeting in a home? And I want you to know that I think that is a great question. And over the next couple of minutes, I'm going to endeavor to answer that question. Let's first of all start with the Bible. It is clear that the Bible uses the reference of house more than 800 times. The word house is defined to mean this, to shelter or to accommodate, a place of comfort or safety, a building in which people meet for a particular activity. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 13 tells us a story of whenever Jacob, because of his fear of his brother Esau and stealing the birthright, and Esau said he was going to kill him, so Jacob went to find his uncle Laban, and he went to go to another land where he could find safety. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 13 says, and it came to pass that when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, his nephew, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. That was his way of saying, you are at home. You are safe here. This is a safe environment. Ladies and gentlemen, there is something special 
and relational about bringing someone into your house. You don't bring strangers into your house. People that come into your home have a relationship with you. They are family. They are a son or a daughter, a parent or a grandparent, a brother or a sister, a friend, someone that you trust. You don't just open your door up and stand there on your front porch and say, Hey, all of you people I've never met before, come on in my house and make yourself at home. We don't do that. The Gospel of Luke tells us about a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief of the publicans, not the republicans, the publicans. The publicans were a group of Jews that worked for the Romans to make sure all of the Jews paid their taxes to the Roman government. And they were Jewish working for the Roman government to collect taxes from their own people and they were hated above all the groups of people. The publicans were hated the most. And Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was the chief of the publicans. He was the number one guy in charge of all of the deputy publicans. He was the chief publican. And he was hated by everybody. I mean, this whole group of people were hated, but they really hated Zacchaeus because he was the chief. The Bible records that he was a small man in stature, and some would even argue that he was a small man in character and integrity as well, but Zacchaeus didn't care. At least he tried to pretend that he didn't care about any of that. He always tried to pretend that he didn't care about the opinions of others, but he saw their looks, you know, in the market, and he heard their whispers, and when it was dark and, and no one else was around, it really did bother him a little because he was, after all, a human being. One day he heard that Jesus was coming to town, so he closed his office early, and, and he snuck out the back door, and he went down the alley and trying to avoid crowds as he usually did and tucking in and out and back and forth and trying to make his way down. He could hear sort of the crowd was approaching. He could hear the, the, the buzz and he knew that this was something that was going to create quite a stir in his little community. So he was, uh, I think maybe just a little curious. He wanted to kind of figure out what it was all about, but he had to find the right spot because he didn't really want anybody to see him. But yet, he wanted to see them. Most importantly, he wanted to see Jesus. So he needed a place where he could hide from the crowd. And, and so he, he thought about where he could position himself. And, and there, were, there were rumors about this Jesus. He wanted to see this Jesus because he'd heard about him. There were rumors that this man could raise the dead and that he could heal blinded eyes. There were, there were rumors that he was compassionate and that he was very caring to everybody. Even if you were living in Samaria. And even if you were a terrible sinner, you see, some of the Orthodox Jews wouldn't even go to Samaria because Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. And by some of the Orthodox Jews, they were considered to be unclean. But Jesus went right up in the middle of Samaria. That's the kind of God we serve. So Zacchaeus finally spotted, the Bible says, a sycamore tree. Oh, boy, a sycamore tree. Got lots of leaves and a lot of places to hide. He figured he'd climb up in that tree, and that would allow him to see Jesus, but nobody would see him. And he sort of grinned when he thought about how clever he was. After much struggle, you know, he, he'd been at that desk, you know, 
counting numbers too long and probably didn't have all the exercise he needed. But he, he eventually got his little pudgy self up that tree and made his way up that sycamore tree. Some of the branches were breaking and falling as he scurried up that thing the best that he could. Then he found a little place where he thought he was hidden. He found a place where he could peek out and he could see the street. He sort of in his mind visualized the crowd would come right down through here and I'll be able to see it. Just was so curious. Before long, he heard the children in the street, and they started to cry out, Jesus is coming! Jesus is coming! It wasn't going to be long in the distance. He could see the, the dust starting to kick up. It seemed like it was a large crowd. And he positioned himself ever so carefully in the sycamore tree so that he could see the crowd. And then the parade was getting a little closer, and kids were running down the street. and Others were, were in place, maybe gathering down below and some were getting together maybe on the other side of the street he could hear him talking if only jesus could touch me i know he could heal our daughter he then heard another group say this is our chance i i can't believe jesus is here this is the day that i've been waiting for i've got to touch him i know he's the savior and then suddenly there came a shout from the street so loud that zach almost fell out of the tree jesus is here jesus is here the streets were just mobbed with people. He could tell that Jesus was still in the back of the crowd because people were walking backwards as they made their way down the street. And then suddenly, because he is a sudden God, suddenly he saw someone that stood out from the crowd. A man, tall, thin. He seemed to have a glow about him. It looked like he was just the picture of peace. That must be Jesus. He was talking. He was walking slowly. He seemed to reach out to everyone. Wow. Zacchaeus seemed like he was almost in a trance. He couldn't take his eyes off of it. That's Jesus. That's the one. It seemed like he's bothered by all these people and the crowd. They're all shoving and pushing. He's got children all around him. And he's just walking and reaching out. He's getting closer now. He couldn't be further than just a stone's throw away from the tree. Zach sat as still as he could. Some of the crowd was leaning up against his tree, and he wasn't real comfortable about that, but there wasn't any way they could see him. He was completely confident in his hiding position would keep him safe. There he is. There's Jesus. Zacchaeus now could look right on the tree and see him, his heart beating stronger and stronger. He couldn't believe even himself how he was reacting to seeing this man. I mean, he had met famous people before. He had met those powerful Roman governors. It wasn't like he had never seen anybody famous before. But this was different. There was something different. They moved slowly as they approached the intersection. Jesus was talking to those in the street, those on the other side of the street. Zacchaeus watched it all from his pedestal. From his hiding place unreal crowd was moving and zacchaeus was reflecting on this whole scene when suddenly jesus stopped and walked over to the other side of the street and he looked up right up in that tree zacchaeus froze tried to become one with the tree trunk he's staring right up in the tree finally he just put his hand down Zacchaeus was sweating surely he wasn't looking at him 
There's no way he could see him. Or maybe he could. Time just stood still for a brief moment, and it, it was eerily quiet. And then the stillness was broken by this voice. It simply said, Zacchaeus, I must be dreaming, Zacchaeus thought. There's no way his hand was outstretched. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I want to go to your house today. Some of the people in the crowd were confused. Who's Jesus talking to? He seems to be talking to a tree. He's been out in the heat too long. We got to get him some refreshment, some water. Suddenly, without even thinking about it, Zacchaeus found himself sliding down the tree like he was a fireman or something. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care what he looked like. He couldn't wait to get to Jesus. He felt this liberating power come over him. He didn't have to hide anymore. There was something refreshing about it, and he couldn't even believe his own reaction. It's hard for him to explain. But as soon as he hit the ground, he ran to Jesus. He hugged him. He felt tears of joy started to well up. He just started talking real fast. Maybe it was out of nervousness. Jesus, do you know that I give half of my wealth to the poor? I support the March of Dimes, and I support the United Way. And if I take anything from anybody, you know, under false testimony, I restore it back to him four times the amount. I really do try. I know I'm not who I need to be, but, you know, I really do try to help out. And, and Jesus just looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, this day salvation has come to your house. Good God Almighty. so excited he found himself shouting yes this day my house hallelujah let's go to your house and let's eat Zacchaeus yes my house let's eat he got on his cell phone real quick called up his wife put an extra plate out Jesus is coming to our house <laughs> Jesus is coming to my house. People in the crowd started murmuring. I can't believe that Jesus would be going to Zacchaeus' house. Doesn't he know that he's a sinner? Doesn't he know who that man is? He's the chief of the publicans. Zacchaeus didn't care. He just started running. They could hear him shouting, this day salvation has come to my house. Oh, wait, where do we go? Do you know where to go? Do you need directions? You don't need directions. You're Jesus. You can tell me where to go. Let's go, everybody. Yeehaw! Jesus has come to my house. I've come to tell you about a God that's not just confined to a church. He's not just confined to a temple. He's a God that will go home with you and be in your house and be in your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the ministry that Jesus had. He was house to house. In Capernaum, he was teaching in a house when some fellows ripped the roof off and let their friend down who was lame right at his feet and Jesus healed him and forgave him of his sins his miracles were house to house he was not out of reach or out of touch he was in their house he wanted the crowd to know that he was going to Zacchaeus's house that's why he announced it he cared for him enough to go to his house to be associated with him to be in fellowship with him I love this fact that Jesus said this day is salvation come to your house he was saying that this relationship is a personal one ladies and gentlemen let me ask you this question what good is salvation if it's not in your house what good is Christianity if it's not in your house 
Because if Jesus is in your heart, he should be in your house. He should be in that place of relationship. When the Holy Ghost was poured down the book of Acts, it took place in a house. This was Jesus in their house. This was salvation in their house. The Bible says they were gathered together in one accord and in one place. That was fellowship. That was unity. That was relationship. And I don't know if you're like this, but if somebody comes to my door and knocks on the door and I don't know who they are, I don't just invite them in. We don't just invite people in that we don't know. We look through the peephole at them. Now you got your cell phone, they got cameras on the doorbell, and when somebody rings your doorbell, it comes up on your phone and you can see who it is. I don't recognize that guy. Why is he ringing my doorbell? We don't even like strangers to ring the doorbell. They may be casing out the joint. Because our home is our castle. In fact, the law even has the castle doctrine. This is a place of safety and refuge. In it. And if somebody comes up in your house, you got a right to shoot them and send them on to heaven early. You can't do that in the street, but if it's up in your house, the law says the house is different. I got to thinking, how much do we need God's spirit and God's presence and God's people in our house. I got a friend that lives way up in North Georgia, and he's one of these conspiracy theorist people. He's one of these preppers, and he's got, if anything, if, if, if everything comes to an end, I just want all of you to know ahead of time, I'm going to North Georgia. This guy's got food and oil buried and gold coins. He's got stuff all, he is ready. They have community meetings. They are all set up. He's got more cameras around his house than the White House. And I mean, there's like a half a mile from his front door, up a hill, down around the corner, there's a big sign that says, beware of dog. There's all motion sensors and cameras. And on this side, there's a big sign that says, the FedEx man, leave the package here. <laughs> and I mean, it's a half a mile from his front door. He doesn't even trust the FedEx man to come up in there and to drop off a package. Some folks try to serve God that way. You want God to drop off the salvation package a half mile up the road. God says, I want to come to your house. I want to get up in your business. I want to get up in your home. And, oh, hallelujah. We're not serving a God that you can put in a box and keep at arm's length. He's going to take over. Some folks just want to keep God at church. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. And the Bible says that when you're saved in the body of Christ, you become a building fitly framed together. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. A building can't stand if the pillars are all half a mile from each other. You've got to be fitly framed together. You know what that means for you and I? You and I need the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. We need house-to-house -house ministry. You say, Pastor, I just don't like getting that close with people. No, but you'll get close to a stranger on the internet. Ooh. I know that stings, but the truth hurts. You'll get to talking with somebody you don't even know. Because you think you're safe behind your computer, but before long, your emotions are there. And you're in relationship, and you don't even know how it started. I'm going to tell you how it started. Something come up in your house that shouldn't have been in your house. 
we got a bunch of stuff in our house that don't need to be in our house. We got movies in our house that don't need to be in our house. We got entertainment in our house that ought not to be in our house. We got social media in our house that ought not to be in our house. We got music in our house that ought not to be in our house. We've got spirits that are in our house that ought not to be in our house. You don't realize it, but you've got to get Jesus in your house. You've got to get Jesus in the middle of your house. If you don't feel Jesus in your home, it's because he won't hang around with all that other stuff. There's a spirit behind all this Halloween stuff. You don't need to go to Universal Studios or some haunted house. You bring all that stuff home with you. It's in your mind. It's in your imagination. It's in your house. You say, oh, that's just fun and games. We just go and we get, and you know, everybody gets scared. Oh, no, don't, oh, listen, the devil is an angel of light. He's not going to reveal what he's trying to do. It'll all look like fun and games before you know it. You'll be dealing with some spirit. You're not sure how it happened. And you'll have something up in your house you can't get rid of. David said, I will set no evil thing before my eye. There's no reason that an apostolic, born again, Holy Ghost filled person needs to watch a bunch of gore and a bunch of slashing and a bunch of filthiness. I'm telling you right now, we need God in our house. We need righteousness in our home. We need the word of God in our house. We need one another in our houses we need prayer in our house we need the people of God you say well pastor I believe we need God in America again and you're right we do let me tell you how that'll happen it'll happen when we get God in our homes again they continue daily house to house praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want you to reach into your bulletin and pull this card out. They're going to show you a video. Brother Tyler Ritchie and I were meeting with all of our home friendship group leaders yesterday, and we started hearing different testimonies of people saying what house-to-house ministry has done in their life and how it's changed. And I said to Brother Tyler, you got to put some of this stuff on film. I want to show it tomorrow morning. Brother Tyler Ritchie, working all day and all night. What an awesome young man Brother Tyler Ritchie is. So kingdom-minded. Amazing. We were still working on this 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock last night. He fell asleep. I fell asleep. We were all still working on this. I have fallen asleep before and had one letter, three pages, where I just fell asleep when my finger was on the key. One time it, it landed on the letter Z, and I woke up and I had a whole sermon with just Zs on it like that. And the Lord says, now you know how my people feel when you preach. It's just all... <laughs> just a, but he put this video together for you I just felt like it was so important and um, if you need a card just raise your hand if you didn't have a bulletin in front of you or you need a pen ushers are prepared they'll pass these out while you're watching this video
friendship group made it a deciding factor for us to truly commit to being members of the church. It made us really want to join First Pentecostal because it didn't feel like everyone was fake in general. Everyone was genuine, everyone was true, everyone was loving, inviting, and it really made it feel like this is something that we really want to be a part of. True, yeah. loving, Christian family. Yeah, yeah we, moved up here, we moved up here five years ago. And, you know, we tried different churches. We really want to make sure we were careful about which church we would attend. So we tried a few different churches, a couple small ones, a couple mm -hmm. large ones. And we came here and I heard Pastor Myers preaching. And I'm like, whoa, it's the truth right here. And, you know, the people were friendly. And, you know, one of the, one of the deciding factors of why we decided to stay in First Pentecostal Church was that, you know, Home Friendship Group, we were able to, you know, again, have deep fellowship with the people here. And they really encouraged us and supported us to whatever struggle we were going to. I like Home Friendship Groups because it gives you a chance to be in a setting and an environment where you can not only just learn the lessons from Pastor and, and enjoy the fellowship, but you can really just be around your church family and you can really get closer to each other and, and fellowship in a way that that's more comfortable and allows you to discuss afterwards, but also really, really absorb it. We enjoy home fellowship groups because it's a great time to learn and come together in Christ's name. Uh, there's so many different people that you can just come together and know um, and just come to learn really uh, all about God and that's really what it the most important thing about it is. It is, that's I think the common thread that really mm -hmm. brings us together. And you know, it's just, it's if something is going to unify, um, you know, one to the other, what a wonderful thing that it is that it's God that, that brings us all together, that we can all learn together, fellowship, and just really enjoy each other's company and, and just mm -hmm. grow together in Christ. Yeah. And we yeah. eventually became home friendship group leaders and we don't regret it. Um, Not we, one day. Yeah, we We've gotten testimonies out of our group mm -hmm. and promotions and healings and just true yeah. gratification. My favorite part of Home Friendship Group is it has to be discussion at the end because it gives you a chance, you know, after the lesson where you can talk to your friends or your neighbors and you can really see different perspectives on the lesson. You, know, you can hear their side they, and oftentimes it will reveal something to you. You know, God will reveal something to you from your friends and neighbors by their perspective, how they see it. And for me, that has to be the favorite part because you really get to fully, fully understand and absorb with, with everyone around you. It's part of the fellowship. It's Even the children though, I think they enjoy the kids, they're more excited about friendship group than, than we do. <laughs> they love it better, much more than we do. They're yeah. a whole lot more excited um, to have that fellowship and have other children come in and you know, towards the end when we're praying, they're there praying with us and yeah. having that foundation of Christ in our life. Yeah. yeah, it's great to have the family involved. It's just not just uh, something for yourself. It's just the entire family can get involved. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. You just bring or the entire family. Yeah, mm -hmm. how, how young they're involved. You know, mm -hmm. there's all something for them to get involved with. Yeah. And even though they're not directly involved, they're just being around that spiritual environment. And, you know, coming to somebody's house, you know, whether it's it's a friend or somebody new that, that you've just met at church, it's it's really such a different um, a different dynamic, a different yeah. feel. A different atmosphere because it's it's more on a personal note and that's mm -hmm. really what you want. Um, I've, I've learned so much from so many different people 
um, in so many aspects, and it really just kind of opens up your heart more. Absolutely. To, to love that, you know, you didn't even think you could, but it's really just, it's yeah. amazing what God can do. You have so many different personalities, and, and mm -hmm. you know, that you maybe aren't always exposed to day to day and to, to see the different right. opinions and to see though that no matter what your struggle is because yeah. everybody faces their own struggle but to know that through whatever struggle you're facing that yeah. all of us are able to get through that struggle with Christ's help and I, I think that you know it's just a much more personal uh, personal feeling yeah. you know church obviously is, is fantastic but to go into a house and to see real stories, real people, yeah. words coming out of people's mouths and, and feeling the same um, things that they're going through, maybe you've gone through, or you know someone that's gone through that. It it just really, it, it brings such a unity that you, you don't necessarily get entirely at church. You, so. you definitely leave there and you get a much more personal touch to what we really love about. You really get to um, bond with your church family. You really get to be in a setting and be in an environment where together you guys get to learn something new, you get closer, and not just understand God's word, but but really get closer to God's people. You know, what I mean? as we're all trying to get closer that way. We're so happy to get involved in a home friendship group because it allowed us to to experience deep, genuine fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters. Um, it made our church, our big church, smaller. Um, we got involved in so many things. We got to know so many people. It made us become basically family to the church. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. So I want every single person, even if you're in a home friendship group now, I want you to fill out one of these cards if you're in a, a, a home friendship group now, you can fill out one of these cards and then just write uh, in one of those areas on the side where there's um, some free room. Uh, just write the, the name of your leader. But I want you to fill out one of these cards because I want every single person in this room to be connected with God's people. It's an awesome thing to come together corporately and it'll never replace church. But there's something about connecting with God's people and that more relational, personal level, and being in homes. Also, if, if you'd like to use your home to host or to lead a home group, I believe if all of us open up our homes, we have people that are in the home friendship group ministry that, that, that maybe don't come to church yet, but they'll go to a home. You know why? It's a little less intimidating. It seems, you know, well, how much of an altar call can they give in a home? You know, I'll be pretty safe there, you know. There's, you know, chips and there's snacks and something to drink, and it's a good time to be able to, to learn of the principles of God's word. So people will come to a home friendship group. We could open up our home. Ladies and gentlemen, think about what we could really do if we all just got our arms around this ministry and said, I want to be a part of it. If you need a card and you haven't filled out one, would you um, just raise your hand? Uh, ushers, if you don't mind, um, they'll give you a card. They'll pass some of these out. Just, uh, just leave your hand up. I think they're going to come around here in uh, just a moment and pass out some of these cards. Uh, all right, right down front here, Brother Derek, uh, over here, Brother Michael, uh, right down here, Brother Bernard, as Sister Shirley, amen. If you need a pen, you can raise your hand. We've got 
Um, we've got pens that are coming around. A lot of people needing some pens, so we're going to pass those around to you. We're going to take just a few moments tonight and, uh, or this morning and make sure that everybody gets uh, connected. Now, here's the way this is going to work. We're going to, tonight after our evening service, my staff and I are going to uh, meet back here in the conference room, and we're going to um, put all these cards together. Last Wednesday, we went around to our life groups, and uh, we were able to um, get 20 new families to sign up just through our Wednesday night life groups. And we're going to put all these uh, cards together, and we're going to assign a group leader to your particular card. Now, if you want to join based upon your geographical area, because we structure these groups in one of three areas. It's either proximity, somebody that's in your neighborhood, you don't have to drive very far, or relational. If you already know somebody in church, you want to be in their group because you know them, you already have that relationship, that's okay. Or the third is structural. It'll be based upon, you know, if you have young kids, we'll put you in a group where there's other young kids, or if you're retired, we'll try to do that based upon um, the, uh, the demographic of, of the ages and whatnot. So um, we'll try to structure it that way. And then we're going to give these cards uh, to our home friendship group leaders and all of our home friendship group leaders that are here. And uh, they've got stickers on. They've got blue stickers that say home friendship group leader. I want you guys to stand. If you're a home friendship group leader and uh, you're here as a part of the ministry, isn't this awesome? Look at all of these leaders opening up their homes. God bless all of you leaders. Thank you so much for all that you do. Amen. You may be seated. If you've got any questions, uh, you can ask them. They're going to be in the foyers here in just a couple of moments, and uh, they can answer any questions that you may have, and uh, we'll make sure we've got everybody in a group. Now, we try to keep the group somewhere around 10 to 15 people so it stays small and intimate. If it gets uh, up to 20 or so, we'll start a new group. But this is a way of kind of getting connected. Now, these leaders are going to call you uh, tomorrow or tomorrow evening and they're going to tell you the meeting will be on Wednesday night. It'll be this Wednesday night. They'll give you directions, and you can get started this Wednesday night, and you can be a part of it. I have a dream that we'll have 500 people in small group ministry. How many of you believe we can do that? Jesus being our help. Amen. And you know, then when you, when you have something you're dealing with in your family or in your home, you can say to the group, you know what? I just need you guys to help me pray about this. And it's an awesome thing to have a group of people helping you pray. I think so many times the enemy wants us to try to deal with things by ourselves and isolate us and make us feel like that we're all by ourselves, we're all alone. This ministry is to do away with that myth and to say, you know what, you're a part of a family of believers, we've got each other's back, we can help you pray, and we can help you believe that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. Don't you believe that's God's will for us to do? Amen. So just take a, uh, just take a moment to um, fill out your card. If you have any questions, uh, they'll be at the uh, registration desk. There'll be more cards out there. There'll be pens. You can fill these cards out. And you can leave it with them. And um, those of you that are here this morning and you feel like you have a need that you want God to help you with, here's what I'm going to invite you to do in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to bring your card and to come forward and lay it here on this altar. And by doing that, I think you're saying this, Lord, I'm going to do what I can do, but I need you to help me do what I can't do. How many of you know there's some things that only God can do? And whatever your need is, if it's, if it's for physical healing, or you need salvation in your soul, or it's a family member, or it's an unsaved husband, whatever the situation is, I want you to bring your card forward and lay it on this altar, and I want you to stand at this altar, and the ministers, we're going to help you, we're going to pray. Those of you that don't have a specific need, 
but you say, I do want to get involved, you can take your card and go into the, into the uh, foyers and uh, leave it there at the registration desk. We have three desks set up, one in this foyer and two in that foyer. And we can believe that God will help us. Ladies and gentlemen, if we will bind together as a church community and support one another, hallelujah, anything is possible. If God be for us, who can be against us? You believe that? Amen. Why don't we stand together? Let's stand to our feet right now. I have felt the Holy Ghost in this service from the very beginning. God is doing a great and a marvelous work. Amen. I wonder if we could just uh, close our eyes for just a moment and we could just pray together as a church family. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful church family that you've allowed us to be a part of. You care about us so much, Lord, that you know that we need relationship one with another. You love us and you're our heavenly father and you help us, Lord, but because you created us, you know that we're flesh, you know that we are social creatures and that we need to be in the right atmosphere. And so God, you've given us all one another. All of these brothers and sisters that are standing around us, they're all a gift from you, God. You gave us each other. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the church family that you've given us. I pray, God, that you would give every person here courage to say, Lord, I'm going to get even more connected to the body of Christ, and I want to connect not just to you, but to your people. I want to be a part of what you're doing in these last days. I want to be a part of a home friendship group. Lord, people that are here today, they have needs that only you know. But Lord, as folks come to this altar, I pray, God, that you would touch hearts, you would heal bodies. I pray, God, that you would wrap your arms of love around us and allow us to know just once again this morning, be reminded of what a mighty God you are. There's no obstacle too big. There's no mountain too tall. There's nothing, God, that can separate us from the love of God. Give us courage, Lord, to push past any barriers and to embrace your will and your word for us today. In Jesus' name we ask. God bless you. If you'd like to come down, just come down and stand at this altar. If you have a need, you want prayer, just come down and just stand right down here. And I believe that God's going to help us this morning. If you don't have a need, but you want to go and turn your card in at the registration desk, you're more than welcome to. But I invite you to come forward right now. These ministers are going to come down. Whatever you need God to do in your life, I'm going to tell you about a God that's here to do a great and a marvelous work. Amen. God bless you. People are bringing their cards. I just bring them down. Put them down here at the altar. And as you do, I want you to just lift up your hands right now. And I want you to believe that God's going to touch you. We're going to pray one for another right now in the name of Jesus. You're